Amen. Every praise, every word of praise is to our God. Uh, let me just welcome you here this morning. Glad to have everybody who's here today. I uh, hope you've had a blessed week and looking forward to a blessed week uh, this coming week. I want to welcome those of you who are online with us, whether you're there on Facebook, on Twitter, at HBC Tullahoma, on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, uh, or on our phone live streaming number. Uh, be sure uh, to share each one of those, to uh, let others know about them, uh, tag people in it, invite others uh, to, to worship with us this morning. Encourage you to go to our church website. Uh, on our church website is highlandbaptistchurch.com. You can download the worship bulletins there as well as the children's worship bulletins. If you're here in person, our ushers will be glad to give you one. If you just want to raise your hand, uh, they'll come around and give you one as well as the children's worship bulletins are in this windowsill over here. So be sure uh, to pick up uh, those. And then while you're there on the website, if you're at home at highlandbaptistchurch.com, be sure to download our prayer list there uh, so that you can be praying for the individuals that are on our prayer list. And if you're here in person, uh, those are out here on the table in the hallway. So we're glad to have everybody who's here this morning. Looking forward to a wonderful time of worship. Uh, and you'll be pleased this morning. Our choir is going to be singing this morning. So you pray for us as we get ready to do that in a little bit. Well, happy spring. Time of watery eyes, sniffles, and green automobiles. Take your hymnals and turn to 206. Blessed be the name. Join the choir. As we sing, blessed be the name, ladies. Amen. As we come to our time for our, our missionary moment, uh, we will see it. You'll see in your bulletins that we have uh, the Safadis. We shared their video uh, last week. Uh, today, we want to share with you Jared and Jan uh, Huntley uh, as we continue to remember each one of those who are uh, serving across North America as our North American missionaries and praying about what to give uh, to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So prayerfully watch this video this morning. 
I was raised in a Christian home, but I gave my parents a really hard time. And so I finally decided to join the military because I wanted to do something hard and actually finish it. And it was actually towards the end of my military service when I gave my life to Christ. And having spent time in the army, I know uh, that it can be a really spiritually dark place. They're young. They're far from family for the first time. They don't have maybe a lot of good influences. A lot of broken homes, marriages struggling, addiction, a desperate need for the gospel. There's a lot of young Marines here, and they're living in the barracks. When we started this church, we knew that that was an area that God was calling us to reach, to host Marines for a Marine dinner once a month is where it started. To have something like a dinner that they can come to and just be themselves and sit on a couch and eat a warm meal is really impactful for them. More and more guys started coming, and we baptized our first Marine last summer, and then that Marine led to another Marine and then another one to the point now where every week we're seeing fruit. This church, like, means business. Uh, they don't, they are not okay with you just punching your church card every week. <laughs> it was obvious that this was a church that was doing church like the Bible says we should do church. I feel encouraged every time I go to church, like I wish every day was Sunday. When people give to Annie Armstrong, it enables churches like ours to reach military members and their families with the gospel. Washington, D.C. is a city with many, many nations. So to have a gospel-centered, healthy church here is reaching not only the people in this city, but cities all across the world. The military is already moving people around, and as they're moved from place to place, they can take the gospel with them. It's exactly what Jesus has called us to do, and God is changing people's lives. Amen. So let me just encourage you to remember the Safadis in your prayer that are in your bulletin, as well as the Huntleys who are serving there in Washington, D.C. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for all the many blessings that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for life itself this day. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house to worship you. And Lord, we just want to give you everything we are and everything we have and ask, Lord, for you to take it and to use it to bring glory and honor to your name. Even as we uplift our prayers for our missionaries, uh, the Safadis and the Huntleys, Lord, we pray that uh, you will be with them as they're serving on the mission field there. We pray, especially as we've heard there uh, about the Huntleys as they're serving with military uh, people and families. Lord, we just pray that you will uh, bless them in a special way, Lord. We pray that you will uh, provide for their every need to further the gospel forward. And I pray, God, that you will continue to impress upon our hearts what we might give towards the Annie Armstrong Easter offering as we support those uh, North American missionaries uh, all across the United States uh, and Canada. So, Father, we just ask your blessings upon them as they're worshiping today. We pray that they'll have a great dynamic service as as people come to faith in Christ there too. And we just pray, God, for your will to be done. Lead us this morning, Lord, as we come into your presence to worship you. Help us, Lord, if we brought cares here with us or, or burdens that may seem to be weighing us down this morning. Father, I pray that we will lay them at the foot of the altar before you. And Lord, that you will take those burdens off of us and that you will give us a peace in return that passes all understanding. And help us to know that you will be with us and help us to focus upon you and listening to you as you speak to us through the message in song as well as the message in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me also just remind you, uh, we are doing our study on uh, Wednesday nights through the book of Revelation, uh, and we are, we've had a sev several different uh, giveaway or give out things that we're giving away. Uh, one is our numbers in Revelation cards. If you need any of those, uh, let us know. If you're there online, send us an email. Uh, we'll be glad to uh, get that to you, or you can just make a comment there on Facebook, and we'll get that. Uh, and then also, we've put together a Revelation prophecy chart. Uh, it actually comes from David Jeremiah ministry turning point. Uh, you can order the full colored copy from them if you want, just going to their website. Uh, but we've printed one. If you want one of those, we have those uh, available as well as we still have a few, just a very few of the Illustrated Life of Jesus uh, books that we're giving away. If you're a guest this morning, let me just encourage you to be sure to get one of the bags that are on either side of the stage or as you leave the door back there, get one of those. There should be one of those books uh, in there for you also. So I just want to welcome you this morning. Morning. Thank you for being here with us. And Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us again. Join the choir next as we sing the Solid Rock 406 in your green hymnals. 406, the Solid Rock. <laughs> 
pray for us this morning as we sing. Uh, we're trying to do maybe one or two each month, and we've got Easter coming up.
This next hymn is not in your green hymnal, but you know it, I think. Just follow along with the words on the screen. The choir has the books. They, they cheat a little bit. Choir, let's, let's sing. 505, He Touched Me. Y'all join us. Stand and join us. <coughs> It's good to hear uh, the voices of little kids uh, when they're in the church. Um, let me encourage you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through verse 17. I've entitled the message this morning, Hope for the Hopeless. Uh, but I also want to make sure to mention to you that at the end of our service today, uh, in lieu of our prayer time that we'll have here, we'll dismiss out of here. Brother Mark Smith will be coming to give our announcements and all of that. He'll dismiss us from here. And then we're going to go down to the ministry center down here. And we're just going to have a word of prayer uh, down there to close out the service uh, down there. We won't take very long, but want to encourage you to still join us uh, down there as we pray over uh, the future ministries of what we're doing uh, there uh, in that building. We're already doing some ministries if you want to help us on Fridays uh, with the group that is here to receive the food from Westside Nazarene, we're opening up the restrooms there. Uh, as people come over, we're giving them information about our church, just talking with them, uh, welcoming them. Uh, it's just for a two-hour time period there. If you can only do one hour, uh, you can sign up for just one hour also. And there's a sign-up sheet on the board out here in the hallway. So be sure to take the time to do that and then join us over here uh, today right after the service for prayer. All right, let's take our Bibles in at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 2, and let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. When He came down from the mountain, great crowds followed Him. And behold, a leper came to Him and knelt before Him, saying, Lord, if You will, 
you can make me clean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage and the following passages here this morning, I pray, God, that you will speak truth into our hearts to remind us, Lord, that no matter how bad things may get in this world, no matter how bad things may be in our own nation or even in our own lives personally, whatever we might be going through, to help us, Lord, to realize this morning that there is hope for those who feel hopeless. And Father, I pray that you'll make that very plain and clear through these miracles that we're going to look at this morning to know, Lord, that you are capable and able to do anything in our lives that needs to be done. You're capable and able to bring any healing to our bodies that we need. But Father, we just want to give it to you and ask for your will to be done. Speak these truths into our heart to uh, encourage us, to strengthen us, that even if we're not going through a difficult situation right now, to know that either we just came out of one or there's one right around the corner that's waiting for us, that we would be prepared uh, for those days that may come. We ask your blessings on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you be seated. Immediately in the beginning here of Matthew chapter uh, 8, we see that Jesus has authority over disease. And I want you to see that uh, that authority is revealed in three different ways, in three different stories that gives us some encouragement for our lives this morning. Here's the first thing I want you to see that comes in verse 1 down through verse 4. I want you to see the hope for the unclean. Now, we may not think of ourselves today as unclean, per se, like uh, you would maybe have thought of in the New Testament days or the Old Testament days, but every single one of us are unclean in our sin. And that's what I want you to see this morning, that there is hope for us, even in the midst of our sin. So as we read there in verse 1 and verse 2, uh, we begin to see there that uh, here is Jesus who's been in the mountain. Great crowds have begun to follow him. And out of the midst of the crowds, verse 2 tells us, comes this leper uh, who came to him, who kneels before him, and who says this very simple phrase, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, I want you to know this morning that Jesus cleanses the physically unclean. Now, that term cleanses is a term for, for Matthew, is a key term there for Matthew, because uh, this story is simply framed as a story of healing. In fact, leprosy, also called Hansen's disease, is probably the serious skin disease uh, that's being spoken of here in these verses. I understand some things about leprosy. Leprosy wasn't simply looked upon as a physical condition in the first century uh, Judaism. To be sure, leprosy is a physical disease that uh, attacks the nervous system, uh, sometimes to the point where a victim can no longer feel pain. And those with leprosy experience uh, infection uh, easily, uh, which leads to the degeneration of, of their tissue, their skin tissue and organs and, and limbs to the point even where limbs can become deformed and, and eventually fall off. And so leprosy is definitely a physical condition. It is a brutal uh, physical condition. But it is more than that. When you look back to the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 13 through, verse, through chapter 14, it, it describes skin conditions there not simply as physical illnesses, but also as a spiritual contagion. In, in fact, lepers were seen as repulsively unclean, cursed by God. Uh, there's a story that comes in, in the book of Numbers in chapter 12 and verse 9 through verse 15. Uh, Miriam and Aaron are, are speaking out against Moses, who, who is God's chosen man, who has been bringing the messages of God to the people. And Miriam and Aaron begin to speak out uh, against Moses. And I want you to see what happens in Numbers uh, chapter 12 and verse 9. It says this, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. So the angel of the Lord had been there before them, uh, reprimanding them, telling them that they were in trouble. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. Verse 10. And when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. 
And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have what? Sinned. Wasn't just a physical issue here. There was a spiritual issue that was going on here also. He, he recognizes that, Aaron does, and says, We have done foolishly and have sinned. He says, Let her not be as one uh, dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said this to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she shall be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. It was a terrible disease physically, but it was a terrible disease spiritually also. She was inflicted with this disease because her and Aaron have sinned. And she was primar the primary one who had spoken out uh, against uh, Moses. You know, in, in those days, in the Old Testament days as well as uh, the New Testament days, lepers were the ones who were responsible from staying, for staying a certain distance away from people, uh, from everyone around them. If someone began to approach them or they began to approach someone else, they got close to someone else, they were to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So even if a person was blind, uh, they would be able to move to the other side of the, of the path to, to not get close to them to, to receive this contagion themselves. So even to touch a leper uh, would make yourself unclean, not just physically, but also spiritually. Uh, it's you know, it's kind of like you know, COVID today. Uh, someone goes to coughing. <coughs> what do you think? Honey, we need to get out of here. <laughs> You know, you think about what, what's happened with, uh, with where we are today and, and the contagions and stuff. And, and so here Jesus in this verse is coming into contact with the physically, the spiritually, and the ceremonially unclean. This leper approaches Jesus. Notice that again in verse 2. Verse 2 says there, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. So immediately that begins to create some tension in the story because consider what the leper does know. The leper knows how he knows that Jesus is able to heal. There's no doubt in his mind that Jesus can perform miracles. The leper doesn't question Jesus's ability. He doesn't question Jesus's power. He knew that Jesus was able to heal. The issue becomes what the leper does not know. Is Jesus willing to heal? Will Jesus choose to heal me? It's not a matter of can he do it. It's a matter of will he do it? And so we need to understand for ourselves the distinction between Jesus' sovereign power and Jesus' sovereign will. Both of them are extremely important, especially when it comes to praying for healing in our own lives. Uh, for example, you may have cancer, you may have some kind of other sickness or, or disease. Uh, here's the thing you don't ever need to doubt. Never doubt Jesus' sovereign power. He is absolutely able to heal you, no question about it. He's done it before in people's lives, and he can do it again. There's no question about is he able to do it. He has authority over disease. The question then becomes, is Jesus willing to heal? In other words, is it his will for you to be made well? Now, that's a different question altogether, because in this instance, for this leper, the answer is yes, Jesus is willing. But that wasn't always the case uh, with everybody who came to Jesus for healing, who, who came to the Lord even for healing. You think about Paul and, and Paul's struggle with that thorn in the flesh that he had in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And he, he, he asked of the Lord three different times, Lord, please remove this thorn in the flesh. Lord, please remove this thorn in the flesh. Lord, please Remove this thorn in the flesh. And every single time, the Lord said no. Sometimes 
God is willing, sometimes God says no. And he told Paul the reason that he refused to heal him. It was so that Paul would know the strength and the sufficiency of Christ. You know, one of the things that we have to learn from this passage is that we also have to be able to trust both the power and the wisdom of God. The one who is able to heal also knows when to heal. I thought about a pastor of old back in the early 2000s, uh, James uh, Montgomery Boyce, who was the pastor of 10th Avenue Baptist or Presbyterian Church uh, in, in Philadelphia. Uh, he had shared with his church, his church about having cancer. And, and, and when, his, when they asked him if, if they should pray for a miracle, here's what he said to them. He said, the Lord knows what will bring him the most glory and what will bring us the most good. He went on to say that God is able to do miracles. The God who's able to do miracles is also able to keep you from getting the problem in the first place. When things like this come into our lives, he said, they are not accidental. It's not as if God somehow forgot what was going on and somehow something bad slipped by. God is not only, he said, the one who is in charge... God is also good, and everything he does is good. And so what we need to learn to do is to have confidence in the sovereign power of God, but also to trust at the same time in the sovereign will of God. Do you know what happened to James Boyce? Eight weeks later, after sharing those words with his congregation, he died in the sovereign power and the sovereign will of God. He knew Jesus was able to heal, and yet he submitted to Jesus' will, his good and his perfect and his pleasing will. In the case of the leper, it was Jesus' will to heal him. And so notice what happens here in verse 3 and verse 4. Jesus reaches out and touches this man. Verse 3 says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So, so notice the picture here. Think about the, the, the picture here of, uh, of the beauty of Jesus' response. Because to touch a leper is to take their uncleanness upon yourself. And yet we know from the healing of the centurion servant that we're going to see in just a moment in the next story that it was necessary for Jesus to touch this leper in in order to heal him. He he could have done it uh, with just speaking his word. It wasn't necessary for him to just touch him. Uh, He could have spoken a word and and the leprosy would have been gone instantly. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus reaches out and he touches him. Now, nobody would have touched the leper. In fact, he was, remember, the one going around saying, unclean, unclean, to make sure nobody didn't accidentally touch him. And so notice here, don't miss the point. Jesus identifies with the uncleanness of the leper in order to make the leper clean. Years ago, a great preacher, John Henry Jowett, said this. He said, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Jesus was willing to minister even to an, here to an outsider, even at the risk of the anger of others. He was willing to love this leper and to touch this leper. And so in this brief scene, we get a picture of what Jesus will ultimately do on the cross when the, with, with the uncleanness in the lives of every person who's ever lived. All of us stand before the throne of God, dirty and stained with the shame of sin. We have things in our life, whether it's things that are in the past or or things that are in the present uh, that make us feel like I'm untouchable, sins that we've struggled with or sins that others have committed against us. And, And in and of ourselves, we're unclean before a holy God. But on the cross, 
Jesus identifies with our uncleanness and he takes all of our sin. He takes all of our shame. He takes all of the filth of our sin upon himself so that you could be made clean. Praise God for such a compassionate Savior. I want you to see, secondly, that there is hope for the outcast. Not only for the unclean, but also for the outcast. Look at verse 5. And so we go on in in Matthew's gospel here, and we read about another healing. Verse 5 and verse 6. After seeing Jesus heal the physically unclean, we see now that he heals the ethnically ethnically outcast. And so notice verse 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him. So here's another person approaching Jesus. He comes forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And so get the picture here in the centurion soldier. Uh, This centurion and his servant, they would have been considered Gentiles, uh, likely brought forth for some military service somewhere outside Galilee, maybe the areas of Lebanon and Syria that we know today. And as a Roman centurion, he wasn't just viewed as an outsider, an ethnic outsider by the Jewish people, but also as one who was deliberately opposed to the people of God. He was one of the ones who had them oppressed as a Roman. And so that context makes Jesus' reply in verse 7 surprising uh, because notice what he says in verse 7. He says to him, I will come and heal him. Now, when he spoke to the leper, he said, I will, and, and he tells him there, be clean, and the leprosy's gone. He just spoke the word. Now Jesus tells this centurion, he says, I will come and heal him. So notice here, it's very surprising here because a devout Jew would have likely not ever gone into the home of an unbelieving Gentile. And so notice the reply from the centurion in verse 8 and verse 9. The centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And so it's surprising to us as soon as Jesus surprisingly here offers to come to this Gentile's home, to come to the centurion's home, this centurion, he confesses and he says, Nah, Jesus, I'm not even worthy. For you to come under my roof. He knew that Jesus only needed to speak the word for the healing to occur. And when Jesus hears that centurion's reply, he says in verse 10, He marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. That ought to cause us to ask, What kind of faith is this? Here's the picture that Matthew gives us. Faith is humble trust in the authority of Jesus. Faith is just simply the humble trust in the authority of Jesus. Notice the humility of this Gentile centurion calling Jesus a Jewish teacher. Notice what did he call him in verse 8? He says, Lord... He's too overwhelmed to even have Jesus in his home. So he appeals to Jesus uh, to merely speak the word. And the centurion's explanation for such faith is, is found there in verse 9. Uh, he says, I, he says I'm, I'm a man also under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. He knew what it was like to have authority over soldiers and servants because Rome's authority had been given to him. And this centurion, he believed that Jesus had that kind of authority over disease. That Jesus, all you have to do is say, come or or go or or whatever. All you have to do is speak the word and, and it's under your authority. And I know this disease will be cast out of him. Jesus says, go. When Jesus says, go, The sickness will go. That's what he understands. When Jesus says, do this to paralysis, it's done. 
Jesus has absolute authority over disease. Now, think about this and what happens here in this miracle. We have no evidence before this in Matthew that Jesus had ever performed a miracle in this manner. So this man, this Gentile centurion, he wasn't leaning on some prior information. He wasn't thinking, well, Jesus has done this before. Maybe he'll do it again because uh, there wasn't anything before to look back to. Uh, The only thing to look back to is what had just happened uh, with this leper. He already knew. He was already on his way to Jesus. He had left his servant back at the home uh, who was sick, and he's already coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I know you can do this. I don't have to know that you did this before. I know you can do it right now. He, He simply and he very humbly had absolute trust in the authority of Jesus in a way that nobody else in the, um, did amongst the Jewish people, including the disciples and, and what they had displayed up to this point. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 11, he says, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it it be done for you as you have believed And the servant was healed at that very moment. So Jesus goes on to talk here about the sons of the kingdom, a reference to Jewish men and women who had assumed that because they were born a Jew, uh, that they were, they were, they had a right to be the people of God, uh, that they, he's talking about how there will be those who think that they are saved, uh, who will be cast out of his presence into hell for eternity because of their lack of faith, their lack of trusting in Jesus. And this example of the centurion's faith then is not just important uh, because it displays humble trust, uh, but it's important also because such faith is essential for us to have uh, and receive uh, that eternal destiny with Jesus Christ and eternal life with him. There's a story about a boy uh, who was standing on a sidewalk. He was waiting on a bus and there was a man who, who walked by and spotted this boy, and he gave him some instructions. And he said, son, if you're waiting on the bus, you need to move to the street corner. That's where the bus stops for passengers. And the boy said, oh, it's okay. He said, I'll just wait right here, and the bus will stop for me. Well, the man repeated his argument, but the boy never moved. And, and just then, that bus appeared, and amazingly, the bus pulls over right where that boy is. The child hops on, uh, the man standing there on the sidewalk, and he's speechless. And that boy, he turns around in the doorway and he says, Mister, I knew the bus would stop here because the bus driver's my dad. When you've got a family relationship with the bus driver, you don't need a bus stop. If you've given your heart to the King of Kings, you're in a royal family of unspeakable proportions. The people's Jewishness, just because they were Jews, didn't guarantee them anything. In eternity. Think about this. Just because you come to church doesn't guarantee you anything in heaven. You have to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Your eternal destiny is dependent upon your humble trust in the authority of Jesus to save you from your sins and to rule over you as the Lord of your life. And and everyone who trusts in him like that, regardless of of their ethnicity, regardless of their background, will be welcomed by the king at the table forever. Here's a third miracle that we see that follows right after this one that shows us hope for the disregarded. Notice verse 14 down through verse 17. So uh, Jesus entered Peter's house. He saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. So finally, in relation to Jesus' authority over disease, we see that he not only cleanses the physically unclean and, and heals the ethnically outcast, but also restores those who have been culturally marginalized. Jesus heals here another unlikely candidate on the outskirts of the Jewish society and culture, Peter's mother-in-law. 
Now, somebody said once that Adam and Eve were the happiest and luckiest couple of the, in the world because neither one of them had a mother-in-law. There was a man once who went on vacation to the Middle East and with most of his family, including his mother-in-law, and during their vacation and while they were visiting Jerusalem, his mother-in-law passed away, and with the death certificate in his hand, he goes to the American consulate office to make arrangements to send her back to the, to the States for a proper burial, and the consul, after hearing of the death of the mother-in-law, he, he tells the man, he says, mystery, he says, uh, he says, the sending of a body back to the States for burial is very, very expensive. He said it could cost as much as $5,000, and, and this this consul, he continued, he said, in most of these cases, the person uh, responsible for the remains normally decides to bury the body here, which would only cost about $150. And so the man thinks for some time, and he, he answers the consul, and he says, I don't care what it costs, I want her body back in the States. He said, that's what I want to do. And the consul, after hearing that, he said, you must have loved your mother-in-law very much, considering the difference in prices between $5,000 and, and $150. And he said, no, that's not it. He said, you see, I know of a man who died here 2,000 years ago, and on the third day he was resurrected, so I don't want to take any chances. <laughs> so get the picture here. After healing this leper, who's physically outcast, and then healing this Gentile centurion who's ethnically outcast, Jesus heals a woman who was culturally outcast. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And notice how he heals her, just like with the leper, a simple touch. Again, we see the extravagance of the grace of God. Jesus defies tradition and practices of his day. And he touches someone who others wouldn't have touched and shows grace where others hadn't. And, and so Matthew closes with this, this section with this miracle uh, to show that there is, uh, is Jesus' power and hope for those who are disregarded by society. And so Matthew closes this section by telling of Jesus his healings, as verse 16 goes on to say, he says, that evening after he had healed Peter's mother-in-law, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So what in the world does that mean? What Matthew is showing us here from Jesus is this quote is from uh, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4 through verse 6. It's a prophecy of Jesus uh, as the suffering servant. And so let me read those verses to you from Isaiah 53 and verse 4 down through verse 6. It says uh, about the coming Messiah and about Jesus here. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried away our, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And especially pay attention to verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, there are some in some circles today who have read those verses and they've concluded that as a Christian, God's will is for you to be healthy and prosperous in this world. But Jesus, what we see here, the kind of, that kind of thinking is at the core so often of, of what we look at as the health and wealth, uh, prosperity gospel uh, kind of teaching uh, here and around the world. But that's not what Matthew 8, verse 17, nor Isaiah 53, is teaching here. So, so by connecting Jesus' healing authority to Isaiah's prophecy, Jesus is showing that he has the power to overcome all of our suffering, the suffering of our sin. That's the greatest suffering that any of us experience. So that no matter what we're facing in disease, 
You need to make sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because that's the only way to be able to go through any kind of disease that we will ever face in this world is if you have that confidence to know that if it's not the Lord's will for me to live, I'm going to be with him in heaven forever. If you don't have that relationship, you cannot have that confidence. Praise God, we hope and we pray and it is able that God can heal and to bring that complete healing. But what he's showing us here is that he has the power and has overcome all of our suffering. So in the larger context of Isaiah, Matthew attributes this power and this authority to Jesus. Why? Because he paid, he paid the price to overcome all of our sin. And that's the point of the cross. Nowhere does the Bible say that just because you've been saved from your sins that you won't get some terminal illness. Instead, the Bible says that Jesus has overcome the root of all of our suffering, sin itself, and that he has paid the price to conquer sin so that you don't need to be afraid of that terminal disease. You don't need to be afraid of cancer. You don't need to be afraid of tumors. You don't need to be afraid of Alzheimer's or, or anything else. And so regardless of what happens in this world that is decaying all around us, there is coming a day when death and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And as we wait for that day, we don't run from suffering. We rejoice in suffering. We learn to live in the truth of these passages that I want to leave you with. Realize Jesus has the power over disease. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 3 or chapter 5 verse 3 and verse 5. I'd encourage you to jot these verse references down. For your future reference. Romans 5.35 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Here's another verse to hold on to in times of suffering. Romans 8, verse 18, where Paul says this, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. And here's one final in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What an encouragement for us today to know that Jesus is the only hope for the hopeless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, we don't like suffering. We don't like going through those things that life brings our way. But Lord, we know that when it does, if we have trusted by faith and Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, we can have the confidence to know that you're going to use it in some way, in some shape, in some form to bring glory and honor to your name. And that's what we pray for, Lord. Whatever it is, there's some of us who are here this morning and we don't even know yet that we've got something going on behind the scenes in our bodies that we may find out in, in the near future. And yet, Lord, you already know it. It didn't catch you by surprise. It didn't slip by some way. You knew it all along. You allowed it into our life to bring glory to your name. And so we pray for that, Lord. Lord, use whatever it is we're going through, whatever struggles we may face, use it, Lord, to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, that as we're going through those sufferings, to learn to trust by faith in you more and more in your sovereignty and in your perfect will. Father, I know that's not easy for any of us. But Lord, we come to you asking for you to give us that strength 
to keep pressing forward that it might bring glory to your name. But we also come for you, Lord, come before you praying. Lord, please, in whatever way, bring good into our lives through it. If it's through healing, that we might testify and give the praise and the glory to you again. Father, if it's that we have to still suffer through it, like Paul, then Father, I pray that you will use that still to bring good into our lives, to make us more mature, more complete, lacking nothing, enduring with patience as we continue to press forward one moment at a time, one day at a time. That's all we have, Lord. And I pray that we will learn that, that we will trust in the sovereignty of your power, that you are able to do whatever needs to be done to bring that healing. And we pray that you would. Lord, help us also to trust in your sovereign will that you know what is best. And so, Father, we give you the glory and the honor for all you have done and all you're about to do. Help us to remember, Lord, that everything you have done for us is to bring salvation to our hearts and to our lives. So, Father, if there is one who's here this morning who does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, may they call out to him because that's the most important thing. Whether we live or whether we die, that we know that we know that we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior before that moment comes that it's too late. Father, I pray your will will be done in this invitation. And may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn number 504. Good to be in the house of the Lord today and to uh, share this word from from the heart of our Lord through Pastor Jim. wanted to just make a couple of announcements. Let's remember the Murray family and Erin Murray especially as she faces treatment uh, in the days ahead and, and uh, rehabilitation. Also, uh, Laura Miller uh, thanks everyone that helped to stuff the 3,500 Easter eggs up here and brought candy. Uh, be in prayer for the families that will attend the Easter egg roll on the 9th of April, I think it is, Linda. And, uh, and if you're willing to help with that on the, for two hours from 1 to 3 on the 9th, Saturday, April 9th, please see Laura if you're willing to do that. Uh, and then also remember the family of Mindy Tant and the loss of her mother, Mrs. Howard, this week. And if there's no further announcements will reconvene 
over here at the ministry center and we'll have our closing benediction and dedication prayer uh, for that facility over there. Thank you.